Be Wealthy and Smart, episode 328. into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. On today's show, I interview Jen Hempill, a money confidence coach for busy, determined women and host of Her Money Matters podcast. Jen shares with us information, not just for women, but for men too, about how to change your money story. Here we go. I'm so excited to have Jen Hemphill on the phone today. How are you, Jen? I am doing fantastic, Linda. How about yourself? I'm doing great. It's so fantastic to have you on the podcast. I've been wanting to have you for a while. You are also a podcaster. Tell us how you started your podcast. Well, that's an interesting story. When I started my business several years back, I knew I had to have some sort of platform, if you will. And I knew about blogging and I tried blogging, but for some reason, being consistent in writing blog posts, whether weekly or even monthly, I failed miserably at. So I was searching for a way where I can really, my personality could come out. And I heard about podcasting and I decided that was it. And so I looked into podcasting, committed to it and started the Her Money Matters podcast. That is so exciting. So tell us about your background with money and just growing up and sort of your background money story. Sure. Well, basically, I've all, money has always been interesting to me. And it's something that as once I got married or even in my college years that I was good at in terms of managing it, in, in terms of not overspending, in terms of saving money. And so I always had that interest in money. And my, I, ha- I was fortunate that my dad sat me down before going to college and just gave, gave me some lessons on money and the importance. He didn't tell me not to use a credit card, but he warned me the dangers just basically using a credit card responsibly. So he taught me a few things on money. And I married into the military. So my husband's in the Air Force. So basically my life revolved around moving, following him, following him everywhere, (laughs) which to this date, 17 years married, that has been nine moves. So quite a bit. Yeah. So quite a bit. And so I was searching within that. I knew early on that maintaining a career was important to me, but I didn't know how that was going to look with a move every single time right? Or every, every few years. So I wanted, I was looking for something that I could do and take with me and not start all over. Because when we moved, had our first move to the lovely Clovis, New Mexico. So that's in the, near the panhandle of uh, Texas, not the most beautiful scenic part of New Mexico. Mm -hmm. That is Uh, when we moved there, I just had to literally start a job that had really not necessarily anything that I was educated on, right? So I I knew that was uh, really 
I knew that it was an indication of what was to to come. So I was trying to figure out. So it took me several years. What am I going to do? So we kept moving. We started having kids so that I quit the nine to five to stay home with the boys. And my husband got an email one day um, because of uh, in the military, one of the things that they try to do uh, with is to support the military spouses to have a career that uh to be able to continue with their career because they know the issue of picking up, moving, starting over again, maybe not being able to find a job. And so there was an opportunity that FINRA supported uh, their educational foundation. I'm not sure if that's the exact wording of what they have, where they had a military spouse fellowship to become what's called an accredited financial counselor, which is not a financial planner, which is not a certified financial planner. So being that I had that interest in money, I decided to jump on this. I was fortunate to receive one of the fellowships, and that started the journey. And even with that education and that journey, I realized that because 10 years in our marriage, I realized that even though I had been good or we had been good at managing our money, saving, doing everything we were supposed to do, doing everything all the experts were supposed to do, I was feeling stuck. I was, and even feeling, having these feelings of shame because people were asking me for advice on money, but yet I really saw the reality in our bank accounts and our investments where it wasn't what I thought it would be 10 years later. So that's, that was starting another journey in self-discovery of, of what, in our money journey. And I learned some lessons from that, that once I had that aha moment, once I realized what it was that was keeping me stuck because I was doing all the right things, (laughs) that's when our finances shifted. That's when there was more money in the bank account. That's when there was less stress that we weren't feeling that pinch every single month. And that's when our investments were growing more and when we were able to get out of debt much quicker. So what so, was it that caused that shift? It was it was really frustrating. It was the frustration of not moving, of not really getting uh, moving forward. And I learned that in that reflection, because I sat down and I'm like, was frustrated. And I, like I said, people were asking me for advice and I'm like, but I'm not, how how are, I felt ashamed because of what I was looking at. Right. So I learned that I reflected on life in general. And I realized that some of the things that were, one of the things that was affecting me was my, how I was brought up with money. So My upbringing was great. My parents did the very best that they could, but I also heard a lot of themes, a lot of messages in terms of, we can't afford this. Uh, We don't have the money. So that was a lot of scarcity mindset that my parents, uh, or that was relayed to me early on. So when I grew up, I felt that. I didn't know I was continuing that cycle, if you will. So that was one of the lessons was realizing 
that I was recreating that cycle or continuing that cycle. And I think we need to be aware of those things, of how we were brought up around money, what things we heard, what we experienced, and are we continuing that cycle? And if that cycle is good and serves us, great. But if it's something like the scarcity mindset, that does that's not serving us. So that was one lesson that I learned. And there was three other lessons I learned as well. And I can share those as well. Yes, please. So the second lesson I learned was that experts didn't always have the solution. As I mentioned earlier, I was an early, um, Susie Orman was one of the first books of uh, personal finance books that I read. I read some others as well. And I, because I was big on it, it was an interest of mine. And so I would follow the, that advice. But what I realized was their advice was great and it served as guidance, but they were experts in money. They weren't experts in me. They didn't know my wants. They didn't know my desires. So I really got stuck following their advice and not and losing sight as to what I wanted. So that was the second lesson that I learned, which was that experts didn't always have the solution. I like that. I think that's exactly right. And I love that you you know, we're able to take that advice, but then also realize it just didn't suit you and that you didn't lose yourself in that whole equation. So I love that. Right. And I realized, once I realized that, I started, I shifted how we managed our money. I shifted, we, I recreated our system, if you will, because we really didn't have a system. <laughs> uh, we just basically, I didn't even have a real full-fledged budget. I had a checklist, <laughs> which is not a budget. So I really got more strategic as to how we managed our money and something that would work well for us and our lifestyle and something that would, that was simple to do. So I'm big on not because of time as women and as a mom, time is of the essence and it was just valuable to me. So I didn't want to sit here and track every single dollar that I spent. So instead, um, I, and I wasn't fond of carrying cash everywhere that I went with the, with the envelope system. So I just, I did the envelope system, but a virtual one. So I, it's basically funneling money in different places, depending on our goals, funneling money to our daily expenses and keeping that the income goes into the hub account. So basically just one main main account. And, uh, from there it's filtered to our daily expenses, to our, um, to our goals, our different savings, those those type of things, non-monthly expenses that come up. And our hub account is just mainly where bills are taken out. So it was easier to track and visually see what's going on with the money, what you had and what you didn't have. Instead of figuring out, well, we budgeted, I don't know, $500 for groceries. How much do we have left? It was easier to see versus actually doing the math. Call me lazy, I guess. <laughs> no, no. Okay. And what was the third thing you did? The third lesson was to not overcomplicate money. That is something I think we tend to do uh, because with money, it's not just about money, but emotions, life, stress, all of that tends to blur what we see, tends to blur what we think of money, and it doesn't allow us to think clearly in terms of that money can be easy. 
So that was the third lesson is that we do overcomplicate the money. So I, I had to shift that and and make it simple. So it's just as easy of how can I make this easy for me? So that's how the how I recreated our, our system and how I really, really became more, um, let me think how to put this in, in a better way. I really became... I really became good at asking questions on how I can make things simple, especially when it, when I, when I had thoughts of money being complex, I would ask myself, how can I make this simple? So that, that was the third lesson. Mm, Very good. And I also want to say thank you to you and your husband for your service to our country. Oh, I appreciate all that. that you do and all the sacrifice that you've made. You must have gotten very good at moving and at packing. <laughs> yes, that and uh, decluttering too. But it's amazing. No matter how many moves you do, each basically we have a, a process, if you will. Before we move, we basically get rid of stuff. But then when we move to the new place, we seem to find other things we can get rid of. But no matter what, even if you're in a place for one or two years, the next move, somehow you seem to accumulate a bunch of things again. <laughs> Isn't that just never ends? Yes, it is. It is. It's amazing how much we can accumulate. So I can't imagine staying in one place because it's to accumulate more. Oh, I can't even imagine. (laughs) (laughs) So where do you suggest people start if they're feeling stuck? If I would start with really being in tune and reflecting on how you grew up around money. Because if you do that, you're able to, because if you look at how you grew up around money, that's going to affect your mindset. And how I see your mindset is like the foundation of our money. So if you look in terms, if you think in terms of a house, if you, if a house doesn't have a strong foundation, you don't have a sturdy house, right? So that's how I see the mindset with our money. It's the found it's our foundation. And that goes back to your money story, uh, how you grew up around money, what you saw, what you experienced, because then you can, if you're not aware of that, you don't know what you don't know, (laughs) or you're not aware of that. And you can, really create that cycle, continue that cycle versus stopping the cycle and creating a more healthy one. So that's where you need to start with is your money story. Mm -hmm. And how do you think people change their mindset and how do they identify, you know, because some people I think are aware that maybe their parents would say this all the time or that all the time. Sometimes it's so subconscious. Mm -hmm. How do people get in touch with that? It's a process. It's like, for example, for me, it's something that I still work on because it's something that was ingrained with us for a long time. So it doesn't go, it doesn't go away overnight. It's just a process. It's something that you just need to, uh, one, be aware of and to shift it, you have to create new thoughts 
around money and what you want uh, your money to be like. So one thing that I take my clients through is creating two things, creating a future money story. So what do you want your money to look like? So that helps them get clear on what they want out of life, uh, their dreams, maybe revisit those dreams and really get a besides better clarity, but they're a bigger and more important why. So it will drive, drive them. So getting at having, doing that exercise with my clients are just creating that future money story. So that way that also includes how you, what kind of thoughts and how you want to feel around money. Okay. So that's one thing. And the other thing that I have clients do is to, in terms of budgeting, because it's to create a dream budget. So it's, it's basically looking at if again, you have your future money story, but the dream budget is with tangible numbers. So how much money do you want to be making? What do you want to be spending on? Maybe what do you want to, maybe you want to, you like to eat out. And right now your the income is not allowing that. So how much a month would you want to eat out? How often would you travel? What does that look like? How much money would that uh, look like on uh, to be putting aside for travel on a monthly basis? Those type of things. So you have to, look into the future and what you want and little by little change how you think around that, what you think around money. Do you think that women have different, I don't want to say issues, but different, uh, have a different situation with money than men do? I think, I think, because I think women, because we are the nurturers, we put ourselves last, we take the care of needs of others, we take care of the needs of others first besides ours, we, with money, we have a different perception. Sometimes we, we're not worthy, like, especially when we're at work, we don't necessarily ask for the raises that we deserve because maybe we don't, we feel we don't deserve it or we're afraid or there's so many different fears. And it's not because women aren't smart enough. We are intelligent. I mean, look at all the women as, that we have as, an, as examples. It's not a matter of intelligence because there's no doubt. Uh, we as women are very intelligent. It's for me, it's a matter of fear. It's a matter of the emotions that we feel and what's going on in our life and maybe not being able to, not knowing how to manage that well. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so do you think that there is a conversation that spouses should have that they aren't having uh, to help with money? Oh, yeah. The conversations with the spouse, that's that's important, but it's one that is a difficult one, depending on your what your dynamics and your relationship are. Uh, and But it is definitely one to be had. And one thing that I always tell clients, when having conversations with your spouse, never start the conversation on what bills are due or that you have too much debt or never talk about the direct, your direct money situation, but instead getting to know your spouse in terms of money, what their aspirations are. Maybe you don't know that they grew up in a household where money wasn't spoken about or where money uh, was 
scarce, if you will. So I, you need to start that conversation there and build from that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's typical to have one spouse be a saver and the other a spender? That's what I typically see. How about you? Yeah, I've seen that too, although it can go the other way as well. But uh, in terms of like they can, one can be one way for a while and then shift depending on what their priorities are. So it just depends. People have different priorities. But I do find that that people tend to get polarized one way or the other, it seems like. Yes, yes. There's always, there's always one saver and one spender for sure. So what advice do you have for couples to get on the same page together? Really sharing their their aspirations and their goals because I think they it's not talked well. I I know plenty of couples who do talk about that, but I think you have to. I think it's they need to not fear what the other wants or maybe that they're wanting too much. But it's just a matter of just coming to the table. This is why uh, what I would like. Uh, this is what I want to aspire to do. This is what I want in our life for our family. And it's just not it's stopping that fear or stop being fearful of sharing that. Yeah, I agree with that. Jen, this has been so incredible. Thank you so much oh, for being on the show. How can people get more from you and, and find your show? Sure. You can just go to jenhemphill.com or just search wherever you listen to podcasts and search for Her Money Matters. You'll find me. Fantastic. We will look for you there. Thank you, Thanks Linda. Thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog, and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.